Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Set in 1985 against the backdrop of social hysteria surrounding gory British videos called Nasties, Censor is a psychological horror starring Neve Algor. Film Censor, she plays Enid. She takes pride in her meticulous work guarding unsuspecting audience from the deleterious effects of watching the gore-filled decapitations and eye-gouging she pours over. The film is also about her family history, about her sister, about a lot of different things are going on in this wonderful film called Censor. And we're joined today by the director and co-screenwriter of the film, Prano Bailey Bond. Prano, welcome to Film School Radio. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I've been around, watched enough films over the years, I've seen a lot of gory films and I think I'm still okay for having seen them. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about the inspiration for the film and what I mentioned. Apparently, there was a, a, a trend or a, a thing in British cinema during a period of time called the nasties. And so however you want to take that question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, Censor's set during the, what we call over here the video nasty era. And essentially, the birth of VHS basically meant that there was this boom in low budget horror movies that suddenly became available. And for the first time ever, these films are available for people to watch in the home, which means that we can rewind and rewatch the goriest bits. Also, children can potentially get their hands on it. A lot of uh, countries had this. Obviously, VHS was was happening all over the world. But in the UK, the reaction was incredibly conservative and one that I guess you could call quite hysterical that basically the tabloid press and politicians were making out that these films were going to spawn the next generation of murderers they were going to reach out out of the tv screen and possess people and make people go out and start grotting each other with shoelaces and you know that kind of thing I mean you've got to think that this is Thatcher's Britain basically my take on this looking back is you have a country that is being ruled with an iron fist, i.e. there are being uh, mines being closed, job losses, right. um, cut for welfare, social care, that kind of thing. So there is social unrest, you know, people becoming poorer. So potentially a rise in crime could be coming out of that. But it's very easy for everybody to turn and blame the video nasties and say this is the source of all evil in the world and this is why terrible things are happening so I see looking back that there was an element of scapegoatism going on during this period in terms of what was happening politically and the video nasties but hey you know that's a massive conversation it is it is so what inspired specifically censor out of it was sort of out of that but this this is more than just a story about censorship or about the sort of history surrounding that the nasties uh is also about a family about a woman who is dealing with um who's trying to keep everything under control as best she can but certainly dealing with a lot what what was the inspiration for that part of the story well, I think the very, very first seed of censor came from the idea of thinking about if violent films are supposed to make us commit 
horrible acts, what is it that stops the censor from losing control? You know, why is it one rule for the censor to be able to watch these things and another rule for everybody else to be able to watch these things? So I, I started to think about a censor character who perhaps thought that deep down they might be a bad person, that they might be rotten and that they saw something on screen that has a strange effect on that on them in that sense that it's awakening something within them and when we were writing we were always looking at the idea of some of self-censorship the idea of something traumatic having happened in Enid's life in the lead character's life that uh, her brain had censored because we do we do that as well you know our brain will protect us from something terrible that has happened and cut it out because we're maybe not ready to deal with it in that moment and so I, I liked the idea of, of looking at both the way we self-censor psychologically alongside the censorship of art and film. And I came to the idea of this missing sister partly because I was reading a lot about the idea of ambiguous loss, in this idea of not knowing what has happened to somebody. You know, if somebody's gone from your life, if they've disappeared, if you don't know what's happened to them, you fill in the gaps in your head with fiction. So you're constantly reliving the trauma and going, well, maybe they're dead. And then you're grieving and then you're going, well, I don't know if they're dead. So maybe they're still alive. And then you feel guilty for um, thinking they were dead. And, you know, so it's this kind of constant creation of story in your head to fill in this traumatic gap. And I, I, I found that a really interesting way to look at as well at this idea between this kind of relationship between fiction and reality that I was exploring in, in the film censorship side as well. The story itself is very interesting. She works in a, in the, a British office. This is a, it's a government office, is it not uh, for censorship? Well, it's a fictional censorship office. So in the UK, we actually have the BBFC, which is the real British Board of Film Classification, but we're fictionalizing a censorship office. And yeah, it would be connected to government in that story. So yeah. Yeah. And as I mentioned, the Beck story about her sister, and I don't want to give too much away because I'm trying to think of some influences in, that it reminds me of, but there's almost a Hitchcockian sort of vertigo kind of vibe to this. And if that's a fair way to put yeah, it. Yeah, I love that reference. That's really, yeah, it's great. And so she is going through, a, 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 and also a, even a bit of a David Lynch where is she seeing and, and is she taking in information as it's actually, is this really happening? And that carries forward, but it also is very much in that in that uh, vein of those kind of horror films that we've all seen some version of. So um, a little bit about what that sort of the side of it that inspired this kind of the storytelling that you that you use to to in, to, to tell the story of censor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I guess there are various influences there. I I definitely think the player was a useful film to look at when I was writing that kind of meta weave between fiction and reality. There were films that I was going back to, you know, so I guess they probably could be noted as influences. Um, Lynch is one of my favourite directors, so I imagine that there's plenty of, um, you know, plenty of, of him in, in terms of my tastes and things like that. But Vertigo was actually one that I remember later on in the writing process kind of 
looking at a lot also things like black swan and let's scare jessica to death this kind of you know teetering on uh what's real and what's not what's in my head as a character and what's actually happening in reality those and also the machinist as well was quite helpful to look at all of those were were there and then on the character level i remember finding um at one point finding the piano teacher a really helpful way to talk about enid because on the page she was maybe quite cold and you have all these like likable character discussions and the piano teacher is just Isabel Hooper's performance in that is just so wonderful and she's such a sort of uptight stiff character but we still go with her so there were quite a few films I was looking at that maybe were outside of you know the more like Lucio Fulci, Lucio Fulci uh, you know Argento kind of movies from the period that were maybe more ins- inspiring the actual video nasties in the film. Neve Algar. I-, I thought she also was able to convey um, some vulnerability in, 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 in as sh- her character wanted to be vulnerable. But in, in the setting of the, of the office, she was anything but. But there is this, yeah, vulnerability because she's lost someone near and dear to her and she and she's really still dealing with it so I, I like the way she was able to convey that character's inner world despite her sort of very prim and proper and very business-like approach the way she did her job she was very good at it so uh, and then that's yeah. In the, yeah she's an incredible actress Neve. she's um very empathetic so I think again you look at this idea of Enid on the page potentially feeling quite cold but Neve really lets the audience in, I think. You know, she's got so much empathy for the characters that she plays, and I think that shows on screen and allows the audience to, to empathise as well. But we, we really talked about Enid, both in the writing and with me and Neve. You know, we always talked about Enid having kind of put up a lot of walls around her, that, yeah. you know, she's lost somebody in her life and she feels responsible for that. And... So it, it, the idea of getting close to people means, you know, she could hurt them or she could get hurt. So she's she's got these walls up. And I I talked to, to Neve a lot about the idea that Enid was like a, a pickled onion <laughs> and that she had all these layers, you know, and we're getting to the middle layer. But does Enid think that right at the centre of all of that, that, that actually the middle layer is rotten? That's her kind of view of herself. She doesn't want anybody to see that, that she's she thinks that she's a bad person deep down and she's trying to cover it up and she's trying to use her work as a censor to do good and protect people to make up for the things that she has had didn't do for her sister. We're talking with Prano Bailey Bond. She's the director and co-screenwriter of the film Censor. It is in theaters Friday, June 11th. It will also be on demand on June 18th. So please be looking for this. Now, I do know that you did a number of short films, and one of them was called Nasties. So talk a little bit about how that prepared you. This is your feature film debut. What did you learn from doing this? Some version of this is a short film and in, in terms of making it into a longer form? I think there were a few things. There were, there were techniques that I was able to try out on the short. When you're working in, on, on a short film, obviously it's less expensive because you're not making a full feature. So you have uh, a room there to like try things out basically and experiment. So for example, 
some of the visual effects and the techniques of kind of moving through televisions and things like that were all things I was trying in the short. We also shot the short on film and we shot the feature on film as well. So it was really kind of developing the like aesthetic in some ways, but then on a narrative level, you know, in the feature, the element of somebody searching for a missing family member wasn't there before I made the short. And then I felt like it was such a, an interesting way into the video nasty world and this kind of through line that pulled us through the film, it just made sense that that would be part of the feature film as well. So there were quite a few things, but also when you, it comes to get raising finance for a feature film, I think if you've got a short film that demonstrates elements of what you're trying to create, it it really helps other people with the money (laughs) to visualize and understand what you're trying to do and also believe in it because they go oh wow yeah okay that short went to loads of festivals and found an audience and it's good so we'd love to see that on a bigger scale so there were loads of great things about making the short you know what i've heard from other filmmakers who make short films all the time or made them as as you did as you're beginning your career and that is it it flexes that muscle of telling a story in a, in a compressed time frame, and you learn how to be very judicious about editing the story itself into something that makes sense and pushes the story forward. And that's a big help for for filmmakers, in, especially if you're going to do something like this. Um, I know it's we're basically about to run out of time, and but before I let you go, because I'm a big David Lynch fan, and I'll, I'll just give you my two or three favorite Lynch films: uh, Elephant Man, uh, Lost Highway. And then Blue Velvet. Those are the three that I, are you, how, what about yourself? They're my favourites as well. So we're totally on. Blue Velvet is probably my favourite film of all time, but Lost Highway. And, and in fact, I programmed, uh, I was asked to programme a film for the BFI this month and I programmed The Elephant Man because I just felt like coming out of lockdown and going to the cinema, I wanted to have a really emotional, cathartic experience. And that's what that film is. You know, it's just... It's an amazing yeah, film. Your way. Yeah, it's an amazing film. For people who think that David Lynch can't tell a conventional story, right? For people who think that that's, he kind of relies on the more of the obscure and bizarre, that's an amazing film. And yeah. so many ways, but it's still Lynchian. I mean, it's yeah. still a David Lynch film. I love Lost Highway, by the way. That Because I don't think people give it credit. I think, I just think it's, it's a, it's a, it's, a it's a masterpiece. It's incredible. It's, um yeah, I, that yeah it's it's just wonderful that that mystery that runs through all of his films is just very compelling it is well i want to thank you so much for your time and thank you for censor yeah the film is called censor we've been talking with the director and co-writer prano bailey bond thank you so very much thank you for having me You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.